Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. Welcome to Caves of the Cross Apologetics. We're working our way through Scott Christensen's book, What About Evil? And we are found, we found ourselves in the middle of chapter 10, where he's telling us a story about stories, right? He's Story talking about, about the importance of story and how that fits into his theodicy with regard to the issue of evil, right? right? And when my wife asked me what we did down here, I'll be like, I'll tell her a story about us telling stories about <laughs> <That's> stories. <right. laughs> and so uh, he's just kind of, you know, uh, given us uh, this distinction between a tragedy and a comedy and why both of them are important for us. And, and now, and he calls this the monomyth. Like this idea of uh, how a story is put together. Um, he tells us that uh, one um, uh, 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 literary um, expert, Freytags, uh, this is called Freytags Pyramid, has been adopted to fit most genres of fiction, whether in literature or on the screen. And so he gives us a basic outline. First, it starts with exposition. Right. And so this is where the story is set up, introducing the characters, the themes that lead to the emerging conflict. So that's the exposition portion of the story. It's a carefully designed story will develop, he tells us, the characters so that audiences uh, are uh, readily engaged in their lives. They identify with them. Right. It endures the heroes. And of course, it. Uh, the villains appalling to us, right? So that's the exposition yeah. portion of the story. Right? I could just go through Star Wars and be like, here's the inclusion of Darth Vader. How do you know he's bad? Because look what he did. That's right. No, it's the music. That's right. Well, I mean, that helps. That helps. Yeah. So if, if you uh, hear, you know, um, uh, playwrights or, or, or a film or TV talk about this kind of three-act structure, um, th this is kind of what they're referring to. And, and this this uh, uh, trinity of, of storytelling where you have to introduce the characters at some point in time. You know, Darth Vader is introduced very quickly, and you you understand. Okay, there's a war, there's a battle, there's there's uh, pe uh, people in black and people in white. And, you know, Princess Leia is dressed in white. The the symbolism is clear there, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you know only you know slightly after that, Luke Skywalker comes uh, comes about, and and you follow the, the journey of the characters there, where. Um, Depending if you want to take the one movie or the three movies, you can even get the the storytelling with within that. And so, um, the 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 pyramid is clear within within that story um, mm -hmm. as well. And mm -hmm. So, uh, that's what we're kind of um, um, going to draw from here. So uh, after uh, the exposition, there's uh, the rising action mm -hmm. as the conflict yeah. builds, the plot thickens. Aristotle saw this as the entanglement or the tying of the knot. The hero faces uncertain future creating anticipation and intrigue. Mm. Something bad happens. Uh, something uh, is looming that there's the, 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 the nothing and, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's, it's coming to destroy, um, you know, Everything. A, a Fantasia or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So um, uh, after that, uh, so you, you have the exposition, you have the rising action. And then once something happens, uh, that's very important. Here's the climax. Here's the critical point, the moment of crisis when the conflict reaches its apex. There appears to be no reasonable way to resolve the matter. At this point, the audience is more 
most deeply engaged and feelings uh, the strain of the story's tension. The climax marks the turning point of the plot. Wow. Strike me down and I become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> or, uh, you know, uh, 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 strike the emperor down. I will become more powerful than you possibly imagine and you'll save your friends. No, I will not turn to the dark side. <laughs> oh, you know, like uh, th- th- those, 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 those different climaxes within, within this uh, uh, pyramid is, uh, is, is, again, draw from star wars but you can draw it from 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 any um uh any historical one uh, the, the count of the 300 you know the um uh, uh the battle against exerces and and uh we shall fight in the shade and and they they drove him to a stalemate and uh, uh king leonidas is vastly outnumbered and here comes the battle here's the climax of, yeah, of it yeah good so he's kind of going through this so this is called again Freytag's pyramid right so we've seen the exposition the rising action right now it gets to this peak of climax that you just described and now he says there's the falling action and this moves the conflict toward resolution he tells us whether satisfying resolution right they all lived happily ever after <laughs> right. that's comedy or unsatisfying re- uh, resolution right where uh, and he calls that tragedy mm-hmm. obviously right and so he says uh, in aristotle's language it's the reversal at which the the point of the knot starts to be untied mm-hmm. right? yeah <laughs> yeah um, um rocky wins the battle rocky loses the fight but yeah. his character is shown in in that and then the sequels bring out his as his um, rebuilding and restructure and uh, uh battling against mr t or ivan drago or you know whoever it might be so yeah. so he says you know in some cases an unexpected twist in the plot catches the audience uh, off guard in some cases a grand epiphany you know lights on the hero or on an important revelation is made, right? Uh, that Hans is the bad guy in Frozen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so the resolution of the conflict or the causes the heroes to see matters as they truly are, right? For better or for worse, right? right? Yeah. So that's the falling action. Right. So what do we do after we take our breath? Well, the uh, denouncement. The, here comes the final unraveling of the action when the conflict is resolved, the not finally untied, in the case of the comedy, all is made well. The happily ever after can begin in some fashion. Right. In the case of the tragedy, it is the final catastrophe that unfolds, but always with a moral lesson to be learned. Right. That's an important one. You know, uh, again, uh, Hamlet, everyone dies. Well, what does that mean? Why, why did everyone die? Uh, Romeo and Juliet, uh, you know, they uh, take the poisons, uh, stab the person, and then the families that were warring look at each other uh, uh, across the, the, the bodies of their dead children and say, is this what the stupid little squabble has, has gotten to us? And if they could love, why can't we love? Or if, if uh, um, you know, you could take that the other way and say, these stupid children, uh, we're going to continue this war and, and we're going to become even more entrenched in our darkness. It's kind of left open-ended there as well. So yeah. um, uh, that, that's what uh, that's why you, you spend uh, a lot of money to take uh, a literature cl- classes to, to, to figure that out. And so the question is, uh, so what, right? Why go right. through this free tags uh, pyramid? What does this have to do? How does this help us with regard to, you know, storytelling and the problem of evil and that sort of thing? Well, he's again, he's getting there, right? Uh, he says, while the characteristic features of the monomyth, you know, can be discovered in many shapes and sizes within its nucleus, there resides, he tells us, a single ubiquitous. A theme, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Brian Godwa, 
uh, asserts that all storytelling is about, and here it is, redemption, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the recovery of something lost or the attainment of something needed. Stories are finally, centrally, crucially, primarily, mostly about redemption. So that's where he's headed with this, right? Frozen, what's happening? Elsa, Anna, Anna's trying to redeem her sister. Uh, uh, Anna has... has uh, uh, thrust herself behind the, the iron curtain of, of the doors for her entire adult life. Now she must rule, but no, she wants to escape. She, is, she has been untrue to herself, so she's trying to redeem herself. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, the, the main storyline of bad guys trying to take over kingdom and stuff like that. So, <laughs> see, I, I have children. <laughs> Thus, when it fails to materialize, every good story taps into the audience's natural longing for redemption. Like the structure of the monomyth itself, this nearly universal fixation with redemption is curious and defies explanation as a matter of some strange coincidence. Nor can it be explained by a slow accretion of literary and cultural consensus. Consensus. Literary and cultural consensus. Since the global history of storytelling shows that consistently compatible monomythic tales have existed in various times, places, and culture in complete isolation from one another. Mm. So here's a universe, like two plus two equals four, like the stone is on top of the mountain and it's not on top of the mountain uh, is, is true. These things uh, are true no matter who you are in whatever capacity, whatever time, whatever place. And they're found in all cultures, all all across the country, all geographic locations. Right, right. right. Like pyramids. (laughs) (laughs) Literary critics have therefore been uniformly puzzled about the origins of the monomyth. So it's found everywhere, and yet there's, you know, even some isolated areas have these types of things that haven't been, you know, Uh, affected by uh, other folks. And so how did this happen? Well, it says Christian literary critics have uh, not suffered from this uncertainty about how this happened, right? The idea form of the monomyth is the comedy that reflects a U-shaped plot line, he tells us. Thus, undoubtedly points us to the U-shaped storyline reflected in the grand narrative of Scripture. Creation, fall, redemption, right? Right. Uh, we just have a little, a lot big fall. Yeah. In the <laughs> so it says that uh, Barr tells us that all great art contains elements of the true story, the story of the good creation, the fallen world, and the longing for redemption. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yeah. that's yeah. We, we even within good art, uh, uh, still so, you know still life art through through the ages, there has been um, uh, uh, kind of drawing on. Um, uh, these divine themes of of, of painting pictures or uh, um, depicting people in, in certain reposes that that uh, are, you're like oh that, that person's outstretched like Christ and so here's the the person sacrificing themselves for their family or for this this art picture that they're self you know self drawing and and uh, uh, Brandon Ralph Superman has those big in your face. Uh, a messiah, uh, um, you know, myth uh, uh, ideas to to draw your mind to this idea of uh, well, Superman's like Jesus because he's this otherworldly person who's coming to Earth. He's sacrificing himself for humanity that he's a part of but not a part of, and um, and, <laughs> and so it's it's drawing on those very heavily handed. It doesn't have to be that in your face, but eh, you know, it makes for a good example. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's good for something. 
What, well, what about uh, the monomyth and a general revelation? How do we make sense that this universal apprehension of monomythic themes? General or natural revelation indicates that God has embedded certain limited truths within creation, within the impulses, impulses of his image-bearing creatures. So I, I think we talked about this um, with Kostenberger's book, and I think we talked about it uh, um, uh, here as well, is that uh, we're image-bearing creatures, and part of that is why should we expect God to be a storyteller? Well, in the same way that we also are storytellers. It hits at home. It yeah. It develops a, 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 a tug on your heartstrings, a tug on your mind. It, it embeds in, in yourself because you're hearing a story that, uh, that has kind of universal um, uh, hook points. Yeah, and so we're storytellers because God's a right, storyteller. Right, so this yeah. image-bearing factor, one of the image-bearing qualities is storytelling. Hmm. Creature, uh, we're image-bearing creatures who seek meaning for their fractured lives. We read the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm uh, 191. And so uh, Bavnik, the theologian. Herman Bavnik, the great. (laughs) He writes uh, all the elements and forms that are essential to religion, a concept of God, a sense of guilt, a desire for redemption, sacrifice, priesthood, temple, cult, prayer, etc., uh, though corrupted, he tells us, nevertheless, uh, do also occur in pagan religions. Yeah. Right? Uh, here and there, even unconscious uh, predictions and striking expectations of a better and pure religion are voiced, he tells us. Uh, hence, Christianity is not only uh, positioned antithetically, right? against uh, paganism, but he says uh, it's also paganism's fulfillment. Right? Romans 1. What happens? They don't devoid themselves of understanding and worship. They replace the image of the holy God with images of man and creepy things and all sorts of things. The, 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 the worship aspect in that uh, is also seen in the storytelling. It's, it's replacing the high thing, the, the thing that they're worshiping themselves or a, a, a physical idol uh, that's going to bring them blessing. And, and it draws on the, the parallels of a desire for God, a desire for communion, a desire for what the image bearer uh, is, is supposed to be reflecting in the world. Again, I've, I don't want to draw this too much so that you get sick of it, but uh, uh, G.K. Beale's uh, uh, God Dwells Among Us, that, that idea of here's the, the, the temple as seen in the garden, the, the tent of meetings, the, the temple mount, uh, Christ, the church, and the end times. Again, that, that's a, a monomyth of what God is drawing out from, from this, this, um, this overlying aspect that he is saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm mirroring it in certain areas so that you have in your mind, this is important. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm at the center. I'm important. The, 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 um, the heavens declare God's glory and the earth is his footstool. Where is he at? He's situated right in the middle. Right. He's right there in the midst. He's right there among the the, the priest, and the priest uh, brings the people in. There's Christ. All these things that uh, that um, is drawn out in that book uh, is is what we're talking about here as well. But also, pagans are stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, pagan mythic worldviews have at least some perception of the original state of reality, creation. What went wrong? with the original state, the fall, and the longing to recover to, or return to the original state, and that's redemption. So again, when Jordan Peterson talks about this, he does it 
from this kind of pagan aspect. He's saying, what can we draw from uh, what we know as, as God's meta narrative and how can we apply it to us? And so he's always kind of navel gazing at it. And what can this inform us about man? Hmm, it's just the opposite way. What can man and our story inform us about God mm. and, and how we can uh, uh, remember things through this story dwelling and this, this, this uh, kind of three, three uh, um, version arc of creation, the fall and redemption. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, that, so there's an issue here, right? General revelation can only point us to redemptive longing, but it cannot deliver the knowledge of true redemption, right? Romans we need, 1. <laughs> yeah, we need special revelation, right? And so Rinkin, uh, he quotes here, says that the fatal problem with a non-biblical worldview is that fragments of truth, goodness, and beauty that are perceived can never be assembled into a cohesive picture of God's world. Uh, the best that non-Christian worldviews may include uh, are you know, the truth, or at least some of it, but those random truths will never reveal the scope of God's saving plan. Every attempt to fill up the vacuum that exists in the human heart leads either to blissful ignorance, right, mm-hmm. or to frustration, misery, and cynicism. And and we see this, he uh, reminds us in the, in the Solomon's um, Ecclesiastes, yeah, right? right, yeah. <laughs> So the search for true redemption requires a different set of lenses that were not supplied to us upon entry into this world. And, um, you know, at least from the, the books that I read, uh, uh, sci-fi, there's always a longing towards something that will save us. Aliens, technology, uh, the unification of man, uh, the, 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 um, the point in which uh, humanity and machines become one, uh, enlightenment, what, whatever that might be where we... Uh, shirk off our mortal coil and we're just energy beings that uh, commune with the universe. Um, uh, that's what's kind of always being longed for there. The source of a universal uh, storyline is fully and accurately disclosed, not only in God's specific and special revelation, and we require a new nature to see it. I wonder mm. how that happens. <laughs> the biblical worldview supplies the world with the source of these monomythic themes, but when the true nature of redemption, uh, that is the one true story, we're going to get into is brought to the fore of the uh, world's attention. It is rejected in favor of lesser stories and more palpable uh, ideologies. Well, look at Jesus. He, he's just like Horus or Anubis or, uh, you know, p- pick your one. Well, okay. Let's even grant that that's true. Those stories, wh- where do they all come from and how do they have that similar nature that we're saying, uh, here's the story of, of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. within in Jerusalem at the time of the Modern cross myth. that uh, uh, people witnessed, that people wrote about, that aren't uh, these true mythic characters. Uh, where do they come from? Now, uh, when you look at those stories and you realize that you have to draw religious uh, uh, words in order to to read into the text of those those true myths, what... You know, oh, this person had 12 disciples. Well, no, they had many disciples they talked about there. And so it, it, they're brought to the forefront of the world's attention. They're rejected and they're replaced, mm. which again, again is what uh, Romans 1 is, is talking about right. there as well. Exactly. 
And uh, so he tells us that nonetheless, the universal plot structure, the monomyth, right, as ascertained in the history of our storytelling, gives ample and unassailable testimony to God's revealed truth, even if that testimony is insufficient to bring genuine redemption to bear on tragic souls right in other words you know general revelations general revelation reveals this people capture it but it's not enough to get them to god right obviously you need the special revelation of the gospel and the scriptures right and so he says to adapt to uh, you know an austinian augustinian phrase our stories will fill our hearts with restlessness until we find our rest in god's story Uh that's what he's getting at and so um uh, it is uh, in that story, God's story, that conflict, the crisis, the fall, the broad problem of evil finds its only satisfactorily, um, you know, resolution for us, right? And so that's the story he says that we need to examine, the one true story, right? Yeah. So what was the point of talking about that? Well, it's to set up the framework of uh, talking about the, the, the source of this, this monomyth, and uh, uh, Christians are obviously going to point to uh, the redemption arc of, of humanity. So that's what we're going to be covering uh, next time. And um, uh, uh, for a couple uh, understandings of, well, I don't quite get what, uh, what's been talked about in these uh, past couple episodes. Uh, a couple movies that I can recommend, uh, one with Jimmy Stewart and uh, John Wayne called uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, talks about this, uh, you know, when, when, um, when myth becomes the the the, uh, the story, uh, when myth becomes reality, print the the legend, and uh, uh, there's a good uh, kind of college d- documentary type done with comedy, and and uh, it's it's pretty entertaining uh, from uh, Robert Wall, who was in uh, Good Morning Vietnam, called "Assume the Position with uh, Mr. Wall," and uh, uh, that helps break it down from a historical point of view and saying, um, here here are these stories that uh, that capture our attention. Now, uh, uh, negative things are, are, are brought into it, and he, he brings those out, like uh, the writing of Paul Revere, but then there's this other man called Israel Bithel who did way more than Paul Revere did, but Paul Revere had the story written about him. Why is that the case? So those are the kind of two movies, if, uh, if you want to check them out, um, that, uh, that kind of um, talk about, about this a little bit more. But, uh, but ultimately, we're going to talk about the meta narrative and that'll be the uh, gospel of uh, redemption in uh, chapter 11 of yeah. Scott Christian's book what about evil that will hopefully you'll join us next time uh, and continue reading so thanks for joining us yep we'll see you next time